Hey everyone, welcome to another Corner Conversations Behind the Message podcast with Zach and Greg and Scott. Another just, week. Just, just so you know, we never do retakes. No, this is one take. Well, one with this, today we've, this is number four. Yeah, we're getting there. Today's just one of those days. When you've got a lot going on and you have a very limited amount of time to get something done, the pressure's too much. That's what it is for me. Just the pressure. We don't have a lot of... Like, I don't feel any pressure. Under pressure. Oh. That, was, that was a terrible reading of <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> that was really good. I liked it, Greg. Hey, Christmas tea. Christmas tea is coming up December 8th. 6 to 8 p.m. 6 to 8 p.m. Eat dinner. Come to the tea. But yeah. if you've never been to a Christmas tea before, it might sound like it's a boring time, but I promise you it's anything but. We're going to have tea and hot chocolate and some treats, uh, some snacks. We're going to have a photo booth. There's probably going to be snow on the ground. It's going to be very Christmassy. So if you need an event to get into the Christmas spirit, look no further than the Christmas tea at Corner Coffee Camden, 6 p.m. on December 8th. It's going to be a you, blast. You just went into announcement efficiency mode. Well, I had 17 takes before this. So <laughs> You're I, better, practice step? I better be good. Uh, it's going to be great. What else is going on? December 15th is United our United Service. Service. Yep. Case Why do program. we do that? It's, it's important. Uh, you know, we're one church in three communities. And uh, this is an opportunity for us. We do it five times a year where we get together and connect with each other. We're, there's bigger picture, opportunity yeah. to celebrate being, being one. Yeah, can you tell us about the, uh, the kids program that's happening? Can you tell us the name of the kids I, program? I heard it's pretty punny. Oh man. <laughs> I, if you Google search funny sheep jokes, I've got them all. <laughs> you win them all. Yeah. No, it's going to be the Christmas story done by the kids, told from a sheep's perspective. So that'll be kind of fun. One rad Christmas. One no, you got to do it with more. There. there you go. Greg, do it. No. Do it, Greg. <laughs> nope. I don't. I don't like oh. that sound. Huh. Uh, it's going to be good. Do you, what do you think? Where does it lie as far as like the last five years worth of kids' Christmas programs go? Are you like looking forward to this being the best of the last five yeah, years? Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun because we, we have a lot of kids involved. We have some older kids and some really little kids. And so it'll be chaos and fun. Yeah. Well, that's great. What are we talking about today? We are doing week, week two, two of the Good Neighbor Paradox. Just uh, sharing this, pers- I don't know, encouraging people to wrestle with the tension between the difference between a good neighbor and a Christ-like neighbor. So last week we talked about, uh, what did we, we talked about? Um, Placing the, ourselves in each, yeah, in our yeah. neighbor's lives. Wow. Blanking on This that. week we're talking about knowing our neighbors. Yep. We'll get into that in a few minutes. All right, so Good Neighbor Paradox, week two. Know your neighbor. We're talking about know and know. And uh, jumping right in. <laughs> looking at me. I, so these, these four weeks, are, we're going to be working through in the Neighbor Paradox are really cumulative. And uh, if you... 
each week we need to just make sure that we're looping back to the reality of what we've said so far. We talked about the first concept of placing ourselves in our neighbors' lives and uh, the tension between the good neighbor paradox, a cultural good neighbor really can be invisible, not seen, not known. Culturally, you could, your best, your favorite, your closest neighbor could be a neighbor that you don't even know their name. You actually couldn't even, out of context, you wouldn't even recognize them. So if you like saw them at the store, you would, you're my best neighbor. And I didn't even see you when you were in line in front of me at the grocery store or whatever. And Jesus in paradox to that was constantly placing himself in people's lives. Every day. He didn't just, I feel like Jesus was the, the guy that looked people in the eyes. He walked by them. I think he waved and smiled. Yeah. He said hi, maybe. It might have got even crazier and more uncomfortable than that. Like, walking right up to people's doors and, hey, it's good to see you. Oh, he invited himself in. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, Sorry, have I met you? No, no, I'm Jesus. Can I come eat with you right now? <laughs> and so Jeez. if you place yourself lunch. in your neighbor's life, uh, we, we last week really encouraged people to wrestle with what does that mean? How, do, how are you going to do that? Uh, you don't have to be weird. You don't have to be offensive. Uh, you don't have to be even awkward, but, but you do need to place yourself in your neighbor's lives. That's the call of, of being a Christ-like neighbor. And then the next step that we look at this week is to know, actually know your neighbor. Yeah. And what is knowing? Because I, I, we, we'll talk about this, but I can know a lot about you, Scott, and that's not really knowing you. Some of it is, but just knowing a stat list about you. Yeah, we're going to do a, a little uh, game where we're going to have people partner up and answer some quick questions. Just some stat, like the back of your baseball card about who you are. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really was found in that exercise is that you can know a lot about somebody and not really know them, or you can know very little about them and actually know them really well. Yeah. And I think the same applies to our relationship with God as we walk relationship out in the midst of questions. We can know a lot about God and still not feel like we know Him. Yep. We can also understand that maybe we don't have all the answers to who God is right now, but it's relational and we know him even in the midst of not knowing all the stats it's um, we get to keep pursuing both and we're going to ask a question that I actually don't know if we collectively come up with the answer maybe I mean it's, it's what we're talking about but if knowing someone is more than the stats what are the keys to actually knowing somebody mm-hmm. yeah how do you go into a conversation with the intention of wanting to know someone more than just that? What do you say? How do you actually start that conversation? It's part of the cultural, it's the paradox too, is that we, when you meet somebody for the first time, we, we ask the same four questions. Yeah. What's your name? What do you do? What do you do? Where are you from? What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Enjoying well, the weather? Yeah. If you're in Minnesota, we always talk about the weather. Oh, totally. Uh, I mean, but then, like, so flip it on its head, if you go up to somebody, maybe this is, I just, like, how would you respond if someone came up to you and said, I want to know you better? I want to see your face. Mm. I want 
what is that? What's the next lyric of the song? Oh, yeah, Sonic Flood, right? It's, yes. Yuck. <laughs> I, yeah, today's episode is but sponsored like, by how, Jeff Sonic Dio. How do you let... How do you... It's a... It takes both people. And so how do you... How do you... I don't know, because know the thing is, is that there are some people that I know that... Uh, there's something really different when you hang out with them. How they interact with you. How they know you. Mm-hmm. And... Different than what? Mm, just how the questions they ask, the, how they listen. I think that's actually one of the... A huge thing in knowing somebody is that it's kind of like... It's the question we ask as you walk by somebody. You know, hey, how are you? Good, good, good. And then you keep on going. I think we... Sometimes we prolong those one-liners that we don't really listen to the answers and call that a conversation. Sure. So Maybe. I think people that really get to know you are, are listening deeper. Mm-hmm. Asking good questions. Yeah. And sometimes the stats list, it does come up, but the intentionality behind it is, I think, what matters. Like, I could, just in passing, like, what are you doing this weekend? Just to make conversation, but... What are you doing this weekend as a really intentional question because I want to invest in someone is it's very different. Yeah, I think there's this is a kind of an intense statement, but I think that if you meet somebody and you really want to remember their name, you might if you don't really if you if I don't want to and don't really try really hard, I will not remember their name. And sometimes that's how we treat getting to know somebody, too. We bump into them and we go, hey, I'm going to go through these hoops and I guess put these stat things out there. Mm -hmm. But it's that same engagement where somebody says, hey, my name is Jim, and then literally seven seconds later you're like, oh, buddy, pal, it's so, man, you guys are the greatest, Mm -hmm. you know. So then... Are you saying that it's a to getting to know somebody better is a skill that we have to learn? Because uh, you, you said think, things like they ask better questions, they listen better, they maybe care more. Is that the answer? Well, I think where we're going today in, in the background behind this is that Christ-like is just deeply intentional. I think some people can get better. I th- hopefully I can get better at it. But I don't think it's... Somebody can say... I don't think there anybody has an excuse that says, I'm just not good at getting to know people. So then, for somebody who maybe isn't a good listener or is uncomfortable with small talk, or maybe they care about people, they're just not skilled in those things that we said. They don't know what questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, then... If we peel back further, what can they do? Because yeah. I don't want to just say, oh, here's a list of questions to ask. Or yeah, yeah. You just have to care about people more and it'll happen. I think they're, I mean, I think there are some practical Yeah, well, things. the John 10 thing that we're going to look at, it's time. Yeah. Just spend time. Well, there's that. But for me, the beauty of these messages is at the end of them, us asking along the lines of what's one thing I can do this week? So this is a big conversation. There's a lot that we could learn, a lot that we could feel overwhelmed, like, wow, I'm bad at this or bad at that. 
I just don't know how to do these five things well, but maybe what's one thing I can do this week, or what's one neighbor I can interact with this week? What's one small step I can take this week? Um, it doesn't have to be all at, at once. It shouldn't be all at once. Or even like deeper than that, it shouldn't all be the same. Yeah, I do think there are there are some times though that we can say there there is a universal truth in this that I think. Whoa, is millennial! I I think you said it. You said time. I mean, yeah. I I use the phrase presence a lot, and for me that is that's the universal. You want to know somebody and you don't know what to say <coughs> to them, you don't know what to do, just figure out how to spend more time with them. You'll know them better. Like that. You don't have to be as skilled at asking questions or know what to say or be better at small talk. Just spend more time with them. There yeah. might be a reality that when you're actually getting to know someone, you know less stats about them than if you were to just focus on getting to know the stats. Yeah, I, yeah. I think about my wife. Before I met her, if I were to go around and just find out who she was from other people, I could probably get a list of 100 things. But to sit for an hour with her in a vehicle and get to know her, I probably know less stats. Sure. But I know her much more deeply. Yeah. I mean, imagine if someone said, Zach, who is Joy? And you just started listing off the stats. Yeah. She's this well, tall. Well, it's pretty easy she... to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, even even to like go to the deeper stats. There's still stats. Like, there's, there's so much more to people than even the deeper things that we might know. And we're all changing, too. We're all growing. So that this relationship thing is a progressive thing. It's not meant to be stagnant. Knowing our neighbors is not, oh, finally I did it. And now they're known, and now I'm done. I've done my work. Knowing is a perpetual experience with people. We live as people who are going to know our neighbors. That's the goal. We yeah. continue to know. Well, knowing somebody's stats is a great way to be a creeper. Oh, yeah. You know, you you Outside meet you meet somebody especially. for the first time. You actually have a conversation with somebody for the first time, and you say you just you know you drop in the little one-liner. I actually know quite a bit about you. <laughs> and then you you know you list off all the things you discovered on Facebook. <coughs> yeah. So that, and then you end your debuting of all the stats you know and say, and I would know more if you opened up the security on your Facebook page. Uh, yeah. We encourage you not to be that person. Yeah. One of the dangers or things that I've been thinking about as it relates to time and presence and growing down with people is what do you do so if presence or time with people <coughs> excuse me. equates getting to know them better, there's also this tension that I actually just want to spend with time with people who know me best and that I know better. And so then I end up you end up in this cycle of like, oh, I'm going to always hang out with them because they know me, I know them. I don't have to go through the knowing process anymore. Mm. And then uh, versus realizing how this process works and using it intentionally of like, oh, I can open up my life to, o to others by purposely spending time with them. Yeah. It, one thing that we actually don't have planned to talk about in this series, I don't think, we should maybe bring up is that if you're looking to be a good really follow through and be a good neighbor place yourself in your neighbor's lives know them and be known by them meet needs by spending again time real needs for them and and actually hope and invest in the best for them connecting them to christ and so on um, the thing that breaks it all 
is if you your life is just set up where you don't have any capacity. And so probably the number one thing for most people in our culture, it's funny that I, we haven't really even talked about this, is that if, if somebody doesn't build capacity into their life, it doesn't matter. You just, you're not going to be able to be a Christ-like neighbor. Sure. You can it's be like, perfectly set up, and without capacity, you don't have... Yeah. It's like, I'm passionate about it, I care about it, I love Jesus, and I, but I just... Um, do you think that people, it's easier, though, for people to just use that as an excuse versus that be the actual reality? Uh, so, I, I don't think that people's lack of capacity necessarily means they're doing, they're actually busy, okay. or need to be busy. It's, you know, you can say, you know, I have no time to hang out with friends, I spend six hours a night watching Netflix. Okay. And so, adding, making capacity is not necessarily eliminating the hard to eliminate things. It's priorities in the midst of even when you do have discretionary time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like the a lot of the relationships I've built have come out of moments of where I would say I don't have capacity. Like yeah. relationships with people that we've done work with and connected with through work things. That, yeah. Uh, and it's so good. I think part of it is one a deeper awareness of who's around like we are around people literally all the time, all the time yeah. right yeah. and so if you're saying I don't have capacity to invest into my neighbor because I don't have time in my schedule open your eyes your coworkers sitting at the cubicle next to you or in the co-working space or at the coffee shop that's your neighbor yeah I, I think one of the tensions with me I think I was talking to Zach about this the other day is that you know I walked out of my house the other day and um, walked on the sidewalk, got in the skyway, and I walked within eight feet of one of my neighbors all the way down to the IDS Center. So about, then they turned in another direction. So I walked about a half a mile within eight feet of each other, and we didn't say a word to each other. Mm-hmm. Now, they were about eight feet in front of me, and I, I guess I could have grabbed their shoulder and turned them around <laughs> or something, but... But the thing is, is I think in human history, I think that's really new. Sure. I think yeah. that's really new. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Well, step one is I need to place myself in my neighbor's life. Yeah. And then on that way, I, I don't think somebody would say, you know what, that half mile walk to the IDS Center was so much worse because we got to know each other a little bit on the way. I know. Yeah, I, I would challenge, like, probably of the three of us, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I probably have the most fear of interaction and people. No? Okay. I feel it, so maybe I'm just really good at <coughs> that not coming out. You, you are the most people person. Well, yeah. I guess okay. I'm, a, I'm afraid of a few things in interaction. Oh, yeah. But the the culture that we live in and we even perpetuate, is that the word? Perpetuate? Yeah. Yeah, I used the word. <laughs> is one that it is like we keep ourselves safe and we keep to ourselves and it's so uncomfortable to be the one to say, hey, can I talk with you as you walk? Can I, can I interrupt you? We don't like to do that, but... See, but I don't think... 
Why, why do we have to say those things? <laughs> because it really is an interruption culturally. Or just like... Yeah. I mean, we don't. you don't even have to say that, though. But what would it look like for someone, as you're walking for 20 minutes, think about my neighbor as they're outside, to just go spend 15 minutes asking questions, talking, and even if they're kind of giving me this signal like they don't want to have conversation, I've just got to feel that, like... <coughs> There's a lot of people that we live near that continually are keeping walls up. And for a reason, they're, they have fear. But yeah. what does it look like when they're like, wow, that person for 20 minutes, they just yeah. invested in I, me. I don't, I don't think that if, if you approach your neighbor and they say, they by nonverbal or verbal say, yeah, I don't really want to talk to you, creeper. Mm. I don't think being Christ-like neighbor plows through that. No. And just says... No, I don't, I don't think you understand. Jesus wants me to talk to you right now. Yeah, no, not In fact, not that's one that. of the things that I think Christians are really afraid <coughs> of in being a Christ-like neighbor, is that you have to be weird and disruptive and manipulative. And yeah, not that. But in the moment when maybe someone's not talking back, they're not giving responses, it could be a really quick moment to be like, well, fine, I'm not going to talk to you. And I think Jesus continually went to he was always asking questions and yeah and i think i think that fear would probably be played out much less than we would expect yeah yeah i mean the part of it is (coughs) who are we doing this for yeah it's not the it's not about me or my feelings or even like my feelings that i project onto somebody else but if i really do believe that god cares for all for these people and that there's purpose in them and that my job as a Christ follower is to help empower them in that yeah. uh, by not engaging we're essentially stealing that from them yeah we're going to look at John chapter 10 and it is Jesus using the picture of a shepherd and sheep is how Jesus knows us and uh, a shepherd has, like Greg, you were talking about, the foundation of a shepherd's relationship with his sheep is time. Mm-hmm. An infinite amount of time alone yeah. together. And the sheep is comfortable. The shepherd is like fully sold out for the safety and protection of them. They respond to each other. They know each other. There's empathy. There's understanding. And, uh, and, Jesus says, listen, I know my Father, and you know me, and I'm willing to die for you. Then we jump ahead to, again, Jesus' words where he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So we are supposed to love like a shepherd. Hmm. And the couple of questions that we're going to be ending with, and this is, I mean, these are just, again, it's, you can... This is a great series to say, yeah, I, I remember that I'm supposed to place myself in my neighbor's lives and I'm supposed to know them. And I understand that it's important to do that. And I know that you told me to do it, but never, ever, ever, ever do anything. And so just to wrestle with these things so that somebody would go from, yeah, I get it, but what are you going to do? Is How does knowing Jesus impact your knowing your neighbor? It's just a foundational question because you can Zach you 
thought talked real quite a bit about this is that yeah. if you just want to if, if you say I'm going to willpower knowing my neighbor mm-hmm. apart from knowing Christ what is the difference mm-hmm. is there a difference if you truly know Jesus yeah. and the, the other side being if you only ever decide to <coughs> pursue a relationship with Jesus and say it's too much cost or commitment or whatever to know my neighbor well so God it's just you and me and I'll know my neighbor when you lead me I, th- we have to choose this thing of knowing our neighbor it, it It'd be really sad if I spent my whole life never investing in a neighbor. There's, there's both. Um, but I think there is kind of an order. Like, if, yeah. I, if I know God a little bit, I can know my neighbor to an extent. But if I have a really depth of relationship with God, I think it empowers me to know my neighbor even more. Um, and they have to happen together. Jesus, yeah. man, he was with his father knew his father completely fully they were one they were unified as one and from that jesus continually was going out and knowing people in depth the tension of that is that i do think that somebody who doesn't know jesus at all can truly know their neighbor very well super well more than i can yeah but i will say for myself and maybe for nobody else the more that i know christ the better i'm going to be at knowing my neighbor yeah and I can only speak for me. Yeah. yeah. I would say Jesus calls us to that. You can know your neighbor. Know your neighbor. And as you know me more, let it empower you to know your neighbor to an even greater degree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for joining us for another Behind the Message. Uh, I hope this was helpful. The goal is definitely to, <coughs> uh, to create an environment where we can have conversation and ask questions and uh, get to know each other. And uh, so I hope wherever you're at, you're able to take these conversations and have conversations. We are, we're, we're posting some questions tied to this series on our social media pages. Yeah. A- answer them. Yeah, engage there. Uh, put in your thoughts. And, uh, we'd love to connect with you guys. Feel free to shoot us an email and find our info on our website, cornerchurch.tv. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.